So, we are in our series in the book of Daniel, and so far in the book of Daniel, we've seen Daniel going through a lot, right? Daniel was pulled out of his home, him and his friends, and they were brought into the Babylonian Empire. And in Babylon, they've been asked to do certain things under King Nebuchadnezzar. And then last week we saw they were asked to do certain things under King Belshazzar. And in last week's passage, Daniel interpreted the text that was on the wall, said, hey, Belshazzar, your kingdom is going to come to an end. Your life is coming to an end. The writing is on the wall, as Pastor Jeremy put it. But as we enter the passage this week, we're going to see that Daniel is in a completely new place. Right? We saw at the, briefly at the end of chapter 5 how the Medes came in. Darius the Mede came in and they took over the Babylonian Empire. So as we start today's text, we are now in the Medo-Persian Empire. Completely new place. And if you are a fan of sports like I am, you know that moving around from team to team and going to a new place is very common for athletes. Athletes are often treated like pieces of property and they're moved around from team A to team B. Like if you're a surface level fan of sports, you might think, okay, team A is playing team B and whatever players they have, they're going to clash. Whichever team's best will win. But as you know, and you get into all the politics, each and every person on any given team is on that team for a reason. They've been acquired for some reason. And I've got a few trades that I'm going to highlight. The first one I want to highlight is Steve Young. When Steve Young was brought to the San Francisco 49ers, he sat on the bench for eight seasons. He served under quarterback Joe Montana, and not that this time was bad. They won two Super Bowls while he was on the bench. But what he had to learn in this time was to be patient and wait for his time to come. And then when his time came, he was able to win the Super Bowl that first season starting quarterback. So he had three rings, two of which he was on the bench for. Another trade I want to highlight is... Scotty Pippen and Paul, or Alden Pauly Nice. We see that in the, in the fifth round in the 1987 draft, uh, Paul and Pauly Nice was drafted eighth by the Bulls. And fifth place was Scotty Pippen by the Seattle Supersonics. And both the teams, they looked at their trades they selected and they went, you know, I, I kind of like your guy a little better. Kind of like your guy a little better. So they did a little swap. And then Paulden, old, Olden Pauly Nice, he would go on to be a classic draft bust. Thank goodness the Bulls didn't keep him. And then Scottie Pippen would go on to win six championships with Michael Jordan. He was a perfect complementary tool for Michael Jordan. He was willing to play a part of that team. That's what it's all about. Where are you going to get put and will you play on that team? But we see that that's not always the case. Some trades don't pan out. For example, a few years ago, tight end, played for the Patriots, Rob Gronkowski, there was rumors of him getting traded to the Detroit Lions. And he came out and he said this. He said, okay, if you trade me to the Lions, I'm going to retire. I would rather retire than play for that team. I do not want to play for the Lions. So we see that in that case, Rob Gronkowski, his mindset wasn't there. He wasn't willing to play for any team he was thrown into. But what's cool about the book of Daniel is we see Daniel is always willing to play for God's team. Daniel is a team player. No matter where God puts him, he's there. He's ready. He's willing to be a part of that team. And that's why it's so cool because as we enter chapter 6, we're going to see Daniel's in a new place. Right? This chapter shares a lot of the same themes as Daniel chapter 3. 
But the difference is Daniel's alone. He's not with his friends like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were. He's in a new empire under a new king. We are introduced to King Darius. So as we dive into this text, uh, go ahead, open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 6. As we dive into this, I just want you to notice a few things. Yeah, he's in a new empire. But when I grew up reading this story, I was highlighted the fantastical elements and the really cool elements. I grew up on this story. I grew up watching Veggie Tales, and I always was like, okay, Daniel was faithful. He prayed three times a day. Good, check. And then God shut the mouths of the lions in the lion's den. Check. That's what I need to take away from this. But as we jump into this text, we're going to see that this text is way cooler and way richer than I have given it credit for my entire life. So let's together, let's read Daniel chapter 6. We'll start in verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three high officials, of whom Daniel was one of, to whom these satraps could give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom, and the high officials and satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful, and no error or fault was found in him. Then the men said, we shall, find, we shall not find any ground for complaint against Daniel unless we find it in connection to the law of his God. And then in verse 6, Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O king Darius, live forever. All the high officials of our kingdom, the prefects and the satraps and the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance that enforces an injunction that whoever makes a petition to any god or man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast into the lion's den. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. Let's pause there. So as we dive into this, the, I, my sermon I've titled today is Trust God's Plan. And we're going to see a few things that I specifically think we should highlight from this text. But the first thing I want to highlight is we need to trust God's placement of us. We need to trust God's placement of us. It can be often frustrating when you're getting moved around and you're being moved from point A to point B. You can go ahead and flip the slide, Jake. Trust God's placement of us. But Daniel is in this new place, and when I, when I think of being in a new place, I think of when I start a new job, and I think of being in a new work environment. And I spent two years working in construction, and if any of you have worked in the construction industry, you know that that can be a pretty uh, bleak industry to work in. Right? The, the language that some construction workers adapt and the mentality they adapt and the mindset they have is a little, little rough sometimes. And you can get swept up into that. Thankfully, God was good to me and I never got my brain perverted in certain ways. But I, I have met Christians who they, they just say, yeah, I'm a construction worker. I love Jesus, but I'm going to swear. I'm going to say sexual jokes. It's just part of the trades. That's just life. But we see that, that Daniel isn't affected in this way. Daniel has been in Babylon his whole life, and now he's in the Medo-Persian Empire, and he doesn't let that corrupt his brain. He doesn't let that take control of him. 
We see in verse 3, it says Daniel was distinguished above all the rest. He was distinguished. Why was he distinguished? It says it right there in that verse. He was distinguished because a great spirit was in him. A great spirit was in him. And this isn't the first time we've seen this. We actually saw this in the text last week in Daniel chapter 5. There's a spirit in Daniel. I have a quote from a commentator I read. You can throw that up on the screen. It says, Daniel's rise in power is not to be attributed so much, if at all, to his natural ability or exceptional giftedness. It is to be attributed to his walk with God and the work of God in his life. So why was Daniel distinguished? Because God was at work in Daniel. That's why he was distinguished. God was working in Daniel. How are you letting God work in you right now? How are you letting God work in you? And, and King Darius noticed this. King Darius noticed that Daniel was set apart. He noticed that there was something different about Daniel. What was that? There was a great spirit in him. But Darius, he's not the only one to notice this. We see that the men in this chapter, they notice that Daniel's different. And instead of the men asking, hey, how can I be more like Daniel? They go, how can we get rid of Daniel? What can we do to get rid of Daniel? The, these men were filled with envy. They were filled with lust for what Daniel had. They were filled with jealousy. They wanted to wipe him out of the picture, take him off the board. And after examining every little intricate part of Daniel's life, they came to one conclusion. We're not going to take this guy down unless it has to do with his God. That's the only way we can take Daniel down if it is in connection to his God. What a testimony that is. I, I would love for all of us in here to say, that's the only way to take me down, right? It's in connection to my God. But unfortunately, that's not the case. I have a quote from preacher Charles Spurgeon. He says, we would, stand up under, would we stand up under close examination like this? Are we so faithful in our work that our fellow employees could find no charge or fault in us? It's commendable to witness for Christ, but consider the influence of a godly life and a job so faithfully performed that others could find no fault. That would silence the critics and glorify God. Go ahead, leave that up there, Jake. And just, just read that. I mean, how many of us can say this? That we are so distinguished in our work that others are able to see that there's something different in us. So I'll say this, I can't. I can't say that. I would love to be able to, I could say that. But it's, it's just not true. And we see that, that this is not because Daniel is incredible. Daniel is a mere man. But God is using Daniel. There's a great spirit in him. But what, what would take you down if you were scanned under strict scrutiny? What areas of your life would you fail? It's important for us to identify that, know where our own pitfalls are. But as we continue to read through this chapter, I just want us to, to look at it and, and just ask ourselves a question. Because reading through this, it's easy to look at it and go, okay, I want to be Daniel. I want to be like Daniel. Daniel's faith is so incredible. But let's be real with ourselves and ask ourselves, who am I in this story? Are we Daniel, who when held up to scrutiny, 
the only thing that can take us down is God? Or are we the men in this passage who are filled with lust, envy, jealousy for what Daniel has, and they want to take him down? Or are we King Darius, who when the world comes knocking, hey, Darius, let's, let's make this law, we're going to honor you in it, let's make this injunction, just sign it. Are we Darius where we're so filled with pride and arrogance that we kind of ignore the truth that the world has? Just ask yourself that, and, and what position are you in? Where has God placed you right now? Where is your Medo-Persian empire that God is having you witness in right now? We see that, that Daniel is the oldest he's going to be in this book, in this chapter. Most scholars believe him to be over the age of 80 as we hit this text. If anyone is going to feel neglected by God, it's going to be Daniel at the ripe age of 80 after being pulled out of his life, being thrown into a pagan empire, being said to worship pagan kings his whole life. If anyone's at the end of their rope, it would be Daniel. But let's see, let's read exactly how Daniel responds to having the world attack him and saying, hey, you cannot worship your God for 30 days. Let's see exactly what he does in verse 10. It says, when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day, prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making a petition and plea before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, live forever. Did you not sign an document that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast in the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, and the injunction you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he had heard this, he was much distressed, and he set his mind to deliver Daniel, and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that this is the law of the Medes and Persians, that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the lion's den. The king Darius declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. The second truth we need to take out from this in, in trusting God's plan is we have to trust God's purpose for us. We have to trust the purpose that God has given us. As Christians, we, we know we're, we were created for a purpose. And Daniel knew this. I, I love what it says in verse 10. It says, Daniel knew that the document was signed. But Daniel did as Daniel does. He knew he knew what his purpose was. He knew his purpose was to give God the glory. And that's what he did. He knew it was signed, and he didn't care. He didn't care. He prayed three times a day like he always did. 
And I think it's, it's hugely important for us to highlight how long this injunction goes for. It goes for 30 days. That's it, right? The document, the, it goes for 30 days. Daniel could have just made a compromise and said, hey, you know what? For 30 days, I'm just going to pray under my bed. Or I'm going to pray as I do sometimes laying in bed or in the shower, you know? I'm just going to do that out of sight from others. No one can see me pray. But it said Daniel did as Daniel always did. He prayed with his window open. And this wasn't like, hey, everyone, look at me praying. No, this isn't cockiness from Daniel. This is confidence from Daniel. He's going to do as he always did. But how many of us would compromise when faced with that threat? 30 days. I, I use the Bible app on my phone sometimes. And uh, when, when I'm reading scripture, I use my paper Bible. But there are a lot of Bible plans on the Bible app. And it will track how many days you've been in there. And I'll go on it sometimes like, oh, wow. It's been five days since I've been in here. Five days since I did my last daily devotions. How crazy is that? But how many times do we go 10 days, 15 days, 20 days without even realizing, oh, I haven't read my Bible, or I haven't prayed, I haven't been in the Word, I haven't been to church in 30 days. So we see that Daniel and his relationship with God, he was so committed that he was unwilling to compromise, even for 30 days. He wouldn't change his habits. I have a quote from the commentator I, I quoted early, Daniel Akin. He says this. He says, Daniel knew that past faithfulness would be no substitute for his present faithfulness. Indeed, the past had simply prepared him for the present and the future. What are we doing to prepare ourselves for the present and the future? If you think, throw back to your time when you were in school, or maybe you can relate to a certain time in work, but say you have a test coming up in school and you're, you're not paying attention in class. You're not doing the homework. You're not doing the study guides, and you're not even ready for the test. And you walk into the test, you go, okay, I'm going to pass this. Is there a chance you could pass that test? Yeah, always. What is the best but what is the best way to ensure that you will pass that test? It's to study. It's to be prepared. And we see that Daniel was doing that. If you're not actively living out your faith, resisting the flesh, being constant in prayer, studying the word, then when that test comes, you will fail. Right? That Daniel was ready. His daily communion had set him up for this. Where when the trials came when they said, hey, you're not allowed to pray to your God. He was ready. He didn't bat an eye. It's like, okay, God, I'm ready for this, right? Because if we're ready for the little battles, we'll be ready for the big battles. But we're not, we can't go into the big battles if we haven't been winning the little battles. Each and every day, we face little battles. Those are to prepare ourselves for the big battles. I have another quote from that commentator. He says this, his, referring to Daniel, he says, his daily communion with God had so shaped his character that he was ready no matter what. The decision to go to the lion's den had been settled many years earlier. The cost had been counted. To be untrue to his God was never an option. It was never an option. He had solidified this choice 
years before he made it. What are we doing to solidify our choices years in advance? How are we building up our faith so that when something comes like this, when a test comes, how are we preparing ourselves? Because this is our purpose. This is what our life is built on. God has made us for a purpose. And it's this, it's to give him the praise and give him the glory. And I, I, I love just reading this text, how Darius, King Darius genuinely cares for who Daniel is. You see in the text how, yes, Daniel hated, or uh, the other men hated Daniel, and they conspired against him. But not everyone did. King Darius saw who Daniel was. He saw him as a worker, a good worker. He saw that a good spirit was in him. He said, as Daniel was thrown in, he said this. He said, may your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. Darius knew that Daniel served God continually. Do others in your life know that you serve God continually? Is that who you are? Or do you let other things come to the surface? Daniel stood for this. That was his purpose. He trusted God with this purpose. Let's close out our text. Let's jump back in at verse 19. See how the story concludes. Then at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. And he came near to the den where Daniel was and cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him. And also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Then the king exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel to be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Verse 24. And the king commanded that those men who maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. They, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to the peoples, nations, languages that dwell on the earth, peace be multiplied with you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed and his dominion shall have no end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. And then in verse 28, so Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus. The third thing we want to take out from this message is we have to trust that God's point will be made. God's point will be made. A lot of the times when 
you read a story or you, you watch a movie even and you're sitting down talking with someone about it after and you go, man, I really love that story. And the point of it was this. And you're looking at each other and you understood the story completely differently from each other because one of you didn't get the point. And that's what we do with this story a lot of the time. We look at this and we look at Daniel's example. We go, okay, Daniel was good. Daniel was faithful. And in the end, Daniel was saved and he was rewarded. It says in 28, he prospered. Right? Is that the takeaway from this? No. The takeaway isn't do good, get good. The takeaway is that Daniel was faithful and that Daniel trusted God no matter what. I love that in, in verse 24. It says, why was Daniel saved? No, it's 23 actually. It said, why was Daniel saved? Because he had trusted in his God. That's why he was saved. Daniel had absolutely no control over the outcome of this. Daniel wasn't a superhero. Daniel didn't shut the mouths of the lions. Once Daniel was thrown in there, it was all up to God. It was all up to God. And whatever God wanted to happen would happen. That's the key. That's the takeaway from this. Because we know the promise isn't that we're all going to, you know, our lives are going to go great, and that we're going to prosper. We see in Hebrews 11, after the hall of faith, as they call it, Hebrews 11, after everyone is listed for their great faith, we hear the writer say this, others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They were about in skins of sheep, goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. Yeah, the promise isn't, hey, we're going to prosper. We're going to do whatever God needs us to do. That's our purpose. That's our point. We also see Jesus say this in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 5, he says, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For they persecuted the prophets that were before you. All right? We, we don't want to read this and, and have our takeaway be, yeah, let me do good and I'm going to get good. No, the, the takeaway is to trust in God. And, and Daniel says this in 22. He says, My God sent an angel and shut the mouths of the lions because I was found blameless before him. And Daniel being found blameless doesn't mean that Daniel was without sin. Because we know from Romans that for all have sinned and fallen short. Daniel being found blameless means that in this specific area, God chose to save him. He was found blameless in this area of his life. He wasn't sinless. Daniel was a mere man, just like me and you. You have to think when, when Daniel went, was thrown into the, the lion's den, you hope and pray that he had the mindset that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had chapters before. Where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, Hey, King Nebuchadnezzar, we will not bow before your God. And our God will save us. But even if he doesn't save us, we still won't bow. You have to think Daniel had that on his heart. And you have to, have to know that, that Daniel's but a man, right? 
Daniel's but a man. Who is this story meant to highlight? And when you read it through again, it's, it's clear to see. Daniel is a, a, is a faint image of who Jesus is. Same with Jesus. Daniel was an innocent man whose only flaw was who he thought God was and his belief in God. Just like the Jews did with Jesus, they attacked him for it. And I, I love seeing the comparison between Darius and Pontius Pilate. Just arrogant kings just going with, with what the people are doing. So the, the, the purpose of this story is to highlight Jesus and who Jesus was and who Jesus is. God is sovereign. That's what this whole book has been about. That's what we've seen time and time again. And getting to read this story and study this story in this context, it's so clear to see. God is sovereign. Daniel gets to live at the end of this story. But it's not the promise for everyone. The promise isn't that we're all going to live, all prosper. We see that the men and their families and their children at the end of this story, the men who conspired against Daniel, they were thrown into the lion's den. They were punished for their sins. Psalms 21.11 says this, Though they plan evil against you, Though they devise mischief, they will not succeed. The enemy will not succeed. They will try to get you. They will conspire against you. But they won't succeed. And this story ends how all of creation will end. With King Darius singing praises of God. Philippians 2, 9-11 through 11 says this, Therefore God has highly exalted him, and bestowed him above the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To God be the glory. Right? That's what this chapter is about. This is what this book is about. That's what the whole Bible is about. That's what all of life is about. It's about giving God the glory. Because you look back on the story and you ask yourself, okay, who is Daniel without God? Who's Daniel without God? He's no one, right? He, he's someone we probably would have never heard of. He's just another guy. And then you got to flip that on its head and ask yourself, who am I without God? And I don't know if this answers for you, but who am I without God? I'm nothing. I'm a man. I'm Ethan. Ethan's nothing special. I'm, I'm mere dust. But God has chosen to work in me, and God chooses to work in all of us, just like God has chosen to work in Daniel. So that's the point of this. And whether it's now, whether it's tomorrow, every knee will bow, just like Darius proclaims at the end of this. He's the God who saves the God who saved Daniel from the lions is the same God we have today. He is sovereign. He's in control. So we need to trust God's placement for us. We need to trust God's purpose for us. We need to trust that his point will be made. And this is a God that we can trust him. He has saved Daniel from the powers of the lions. He can help us through our life.
But the, the one question I want to leave you guys with as we close out today is, will you open your window to a watching world and honor God despite the consequences that face you? To God be the glory.